Hey, what's up guys and welcome back to another episode of Fortifying Your Faith where today we seek to grow uh, stronger and closer to God in our faith and as we seek uh, today especially to prove the Bible. Many people will uh, try and disprove the Bible throughout the world and throughout uh, our lives and it's good to uh, equip us every day with the adequate tools and the appropriate things to really build our faith and fortify our faith and be ready, as we've been told, to uh, tell everyone who would ask us a reason of the hope that is in us. And today, as I said, I would really like for us to sit down and open our Bibles and even open our thinking as we sit here and try over this uh, however long it takes to build us up and to understand that the Bible really is from God and especially looking through several different locations and several different uh, ideas about this. And first of all, uh, before we start, I would like each of you to, if this podcast has helped you or uh, helped improve your faith or brought you closer to uh, God or had in any way built you up as a Christian, I hope that you will take the time to tell someone about it or even go listen to another podcast similar to this one. There are plenty of them out there. Uh, I know the Transformed podcast with Caleb Rutherford and uh, When the Scriptures Become Real with Jordan Pugh and several others are really, really good podcasts that will help you uh, continue to grow and not uh, just simply stay at the same level. And so, today, I would like for each of us to uh, sit down and think about how we can prove that the Bible is, in fact, from God. Many people will go to different things and, and really think in different ways about if the Bible is from God. And I would like for us to think about um, three, uh, four things today. And as we think about these four things, I hope that you will uh, in some way apply it to your life or uh, put it in the back of your mind in case you ever need it. That gives you something uh, to go back on and to use to say that the Bible is in fact from God. And so um, I would like for us to begin talking about history and how history really and truly proves the Bible. Because if you talk to an atheist or if you talk to someone who doesn't know if they believe in God or anything spiritual, uh, or if you just want to talk to someone that's a young Christian or maybe a young person who's trying to figure out what they believe, you can always back up the Bible with secular history. And I know that's a very strange thing to say, but it's true because each one of us can find history books, and each one of us can find especially ancient history books that a lot of the world and a lot of people put credit to, we can look at and say, they talk about God. They talk about Jesus being the Christ, and they talk about Christians and many of these other things. And uh, especially in the sense that a lot of people will look back to history and say the things that they write are set in stone. 
A lot of times they will look at history and historians like Tacitus and Herodotus and uh, Suetonius and many of the other people uh, that wrote back in the ancient times, uh, especially in the 1st and 2nd century B, uh, AD. We see a lot of people write very intricately about Christians and about the persecution that came to Christians and uh, really, I want us to think about these facts for a moment because when we think about people, and especially historians, writing about Christians, 99% of the time they're speaking ill of Christians. And that is one of the best things that we can use to discuss the Bible and use it in one of the best ways to talk about how Christians uh, didn't write this. You see, it would mean something completely different if uh, one of these writers was simply a Christian and trying to spread Christianity. That would mean something great. But if you look at all of these historians, almost all of them will say something about Jesus. Almost every one of them will say something about Christians. And yet every single one of them will say something about how they uh, were looked down upon how they were, in their own eyes, blasphemers and, and idol worshipers, and worshipers of this man who was hung upon a cross. Now, when we think about that, these people were trying to shine, uh, put a, a bad light on Christianity. These people were trying to say, don't be a Christian. But what have they done 2,000 years later? They've proven the fact that the Bible was accurate. They've proven the fact that the New Testament and the things and the people and the places and the events that have been mentioned in the New Testament are in fact true. They've given credit to the very word that they were trying to discredit. They've given proof to the very thing that they were trying to disprove and say don't follow. We as Christians can look to that today and say, we can follow that. We should be following that because it's proven uh, that it was happening when it said it was happening. It was happening where it said it was happening. And everything that you can read is, in fact, historically accurate. But on top of that, I want us to think about another thing, and that's the predictions and prophecies in the Bible. Now, there is a lot in the Bible about prophecy. There is a lot about uh, about Christ coming. There's a lot mentioned about secular history as well. A lot of times we think about Daniel chapter two, and we hear about the great uh, golden or about the great image that was dreamed by the king. And yet we look at it and we can see that it is in fact proven throughout history. Isaiah chapter, or rather Daniel chapter 2, talks about how the king saw this great image and how the head of it was gold and the chest of it was silver and the belly of it was bronze and the, uh, rather the belly and thighs were bronze and the legs were iron and uh, iron mixed with miry clay. And how each one of these kingdoms that were to come after Babylon were to be uh, greater in strength, but yet none of them would match the 
uh, prowess. None of them would match the gold and the, uh, well, fame, I guess you could say. But when we look back, we see countless times that the Bible was proven correct because of history. Now, we have a lot, and I, I truly mean a lot, to talk about when we consider uh, the fact of prophecy. And when we consider a lot about the fact of understanding God's Word, we have uh, really the entirety of God's Word that we can sit down and we can study and we can see exactly when and where all of these things were going to happen. In Isaiah chapter 23 and 24, we see a uh, a prophecy about the destruction of Tyre and Sidon. Uh, we think about Tyre being this uh, fairly renowned city throughout the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, and we see that there's punishment that's supposed to come to Tyre. And as we sit here and study this and read this, we come to the conclusion that God is going to punish Tyre and punish Sidon because of their unfaithfulness and because of their uh, turning away from God. And you never really read about the fact that it happened in Scripture. It's just something that it, it never comes up. And it's because it happened during the time of silence uh, after uh, Malachi finished prophesying and before Christ was born. But what we do have is looking back through history and the fact that these prophecies and history pairing together shows the fulfillment of these prophecies. Because uh, one uh, young man that many of us may know, Alexander the Great, was actually the one who fulfilled God's prophecy about Tyre. He prophesied, uh, He told Isaiah to prophesy about the fact that it would be completely laid to waste. There would be no stone left upon stone. There would be nothing left upon the face of the earth of Tyre. Well, that's what happened when Alexander the Great began to uh, conquer that area. When he began to conquer, he actually... Uh, uh, encompassed the city of Tyre and they were able to escape and go to just a small island right off of the coast of Tyre. And whenever Alexander the Great found this, he commanded his men and his armies to completely tear down the city of Tyre and build a land bridge to go across to an island to kill the citizens of Tyre. You see, the prophecies of God are not only mentioned and fulfilled in Scripture, but they're also mentioned and fulfilled throughout history. We also see uh, one man named King Cyrus, and he was prophesied of his birth by name some 300 years before his birth, and that was by Isaiah as well. And even the prophecies about uh, the world around Christ's time were spot on, and we can prove that through history. We look at so many different things about prophecies, about when when the Christ should come, where the Christ should come, and all of these things. We go back to Daniel chapter 2, where we were talking about that great image. We see 
during the time of that fourth kingdom, that being through the great ancient uh, kingdoms of the world. There was Babylon, uh, there was Assyria, rather Medo-Persia, then there was Greece and Rome. And once we got down to Rome, that being the fourth greatest kingdom, or the fourth great kingdom, I should say, that was the time that the stone would be cut out of the mountain without hands, and it would bring down, and it would shatter the feet. Well, that prophecy talking about Christ was true. It was fulfilled in that fourth kingdom. Along with that, it destroyed the whole culture of the Roman Empire, and it as uh, Acts chapter 17, I believe it is, in the words of many of the people of that day, it turned the world upside down. So we can use history to prove the Bible. We can use prophecies both in and out of uh, the Bible showing their fruition to be proof of the Bible. But we also have uh, something a little bit more specific. And that is science. And I want to be clear about this. I'm talking about true science. I'm talking about science that can be tested, retested. Science that can be worked out and science that can be proven. I'm not talking about some outlandish theory that someone might have to say, oh, well, this is in in fact a, a fact. No. I'm talking about things that uh, truly are facts. And as we consider this, I want us to think about uh, one thing. As we consider these uh, things about proving the Bible through science and truly true science, we come to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 22. And it simply says, uh, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out uh, to the heavens as a, cir- uh, as a curtain, rather, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Isaiah mentioned something years before, uh, centuries before people ever proved this. If you notice that the very first uh, accolade he hands to God is the fact that he is the one that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Now, there are a few people today still that say that the earth is flat. We're not discussing those people, and uh, really, I think it's more of a joke that people say that than anything else. But we have the fact that through God's inspiration, this prophet, years before scientists ever proved it, years before we went to space and were able to see it with our own eyes, a man and a prophet of God was able to say that the earth is round. That the earth is not flat, that it is in fact round and able to be traversed. We also have a man in our history today that a lot of people study about and a lot of people think about, and it is Matthew Fontaine Murray. He is someone who, uh, in fact, is very well known for his scientific uh Uh, proofs and the fact that he was able to uh, prove the Bible. This man read the Bible at a young age and read Psalm 8.8 
And as we turn there, we think about the fact that he spent his entire life circumnavigating the globe to prove the Bible accurate. And it's so much so a part of his life that he, uh, rather his family, had this verse placed upon his tombstone. Uh, Psalm 8 and verse 8 says, And he shall judge the world in righteousness. Uh, Excuse me, that was chapter 9. Uh, Chapter 8 says, The fowls of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. Many of us today know, in fact, that there are channels in the sea in in the sense that there are currents and little mini avenues, if you will, through the seas and through the oceans to the fact that uh, you can go faster in those areas. And really, we have today uh, a lot of uh, trading routes through those, just like we have uh, jet streams and things like that. We have the very same thing in the water. Now, uh, my favorite illustration of this is if you've ever watched the movie Finding Nemo, they take uh, the, the main stream so that they can traverse across the ocean. As we think about all of these things, we can prove that really and truly there is a God in heaven, and the Bible is his inspired word. On top of that, we can say that even science and history prove it. I also want us to think about Numbers chapter 19. This is a kind of strange passage that a lot of people uh, quite often overlook. But when we think about scientific developments in God's Word, and when we think about the fact that God truly inspired His people and His Word, the Word of God that we have today, our Bibles, we have Numbers 19. You can read Numbers 19 and go through the uh, very intricate, uh, strange ideas that you can look at there, and if you were to make it today, uh, you would actually have the first recipe for antibacterial soap. You see, the very thing that God commanded the uh, priests to wash with after they had handled dead animals, after they had handled blood and all of these things, God's Word and God Himself told someone to make something years and years and years before anyone ever proved that to be anything. And finally, I want us to consider one more thing, and that's the fact that God's Word is unified. If we look at the Bible objectively, and we think about 40 riders riding over however many years, or around uh, 1,500 years, And if you think about all the books that were written covering all these topics and the fact that none of them uh, disagree with each other, all of them are unified, how does that, how do we try and say that the Word of God is not inspired by an all knowing being? When we look at it, we have to say truly that this is the Word of God. Now, we also think that through prophecy and countless events and many other instances, we have clear unification over every single topic that's in the Bible. And you might say, well, what about 
uh, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, first of all, we have a different law that we live under in the New Testament. But also wants to think about something else. We have the Word of God. This is so unified. This is so accurate and so meticulous in all that it does that we can sit here and read the Bible and know exactly what it's talking about when we read through the Bible. And I hope that today we've been able to sit down together and read our Bibles and study our Bibles and say that truly the Bible is the Word of God. Along with that, I hope that each one of us can be built up and strengthened today. And I hope that each one of us truly will look to God and look to the fact that we can grow spiritually every day. I think a lot of people think that that's for someone else, that they're not able to do that. But I promise if you study every day, you'll grow every day. And so I hope that each one of us will be able to uh, be built up through this study. And I hope that each one of us will be able to build up another person or uh, I, I hope, truly, that each one of us will be able to uh, stand up and say that we know for a fact that the Bible is the Word of God. I thank you for listening, and I hope that uh, you'll tune in next time, hopefully uh, Friday, as we put out another podcast and as we seek to study God's Word together again. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And until next time, I'll see you there.